chapter five of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter five a little orphan mermaid by the clear moonlight i saw a very wee maiden all in white having neither cloak nor shawl nor any other soft appliance to protect or comfort her but lying with her little back upon the aftmost planking with one arm bent as i said before and the other drooping at her side as if the baby hand had been at work to ease her crying and then when tears were tired out had dropped in sleep or numb despair my feelings were so moved by this as i became quite sure at last that here was a little mortal that the tears came to mine own eyes too she looked so purely pitiful the lord in heaven have mercy on the little dear i cried without another thought about it and then i went and sat close by so that she lay between my feet however she would not awake in spite of my whistling gradually and singing a little song to her and playing with her curls of hair therefore as nothing can last for ever and the tide was rising fast i was forced to give the little lady not what you would call a kick so much as a very gentle movement of the muscles of the foot she opened her eyes at this and yawned but was much inclined to shut them again till i having to get home that night could make no further allowance for her as having no home to go to and upon this i got over all misgivings about the dirtiness of my jacket and did what i had feared to do by reason of great respect for her that is to say i put both hands very carefully under her and lifted her like a delicate fish and set her crosswise on my lap and felt as if i understood her and she could not have weighed more than twenty pounds according to my heft of fish having been touched with trouble lately i was drawn out of all experience now for my nature is not over soft towards this little thing so cast in a dream almost upon me i thought of her mother well drowned no doubt and the father who must have petted her and of the many times to come when none would care to comfort her and though a child is but a child somehow i took to that child therefore i became most anxious as to her state of body and handled her little mites of feet and her fingers and all her outworks because i was not sure at all that the manner of her yawning might be nothing more or less than a going out of this world almost for think if you 
can see it so how everything was against her to be adrift without any food or any one to tend her many hours or days perhaps with a red-hot sun or cold stars overhead and the greedy sea beneath her however there she was alive and warm and limp to the best of my judgment sad though i was to confess to myself that i knew more of bass than of babies for it had always so pleased god that i happened to be away at sea when he thought fit to send them therefore my legs went abroad with fear of dandling this one that now was come in a way to disgrace a seaman for if she should happen to get into irons i never could get her out again upon that matter at any rate i need not have concerned myself for the child was so trim and well ballasted also ribbed so stiff and sound that any tack i set her on she would stick to it and start no rope and knowing that this was not altogether the manner of usual babies who yaw about and no steerage way i felt encouraged and capable almost of a woman's business therefore i gave her a little tickle and verily she began to laugh or perhaps i should say by rights to smile in a gentle and superior way for she always was superior and a funnier creature never lived neither one that could cry so distressfully wake up wake up my dearie said i and don't you be afraid of me a fine little girl i've got at home about twice the size that you be and goes by the name of bunny bunny she said and i was surprised not being up to her qualities that she could speak so clearly then it struck me that if she could talk like that i might as well know more about her so i began very craftily with the thing all children are proud about and are generally sure to be up to pretty little soul i said how old do you call yourself at this she gathered up her forehead not being used to the way i put it while she was trying to think it out how old are you dearie said i trying hard to suck up my lips and chirp as i had seen the nurses do eyes too eyes too she answered looking with some astonishment didn't na know that hot's a name this proof of her high standing and knowledge of the world took me for the moment a good deal off my legs until i remembered seeing it put as a thing all must give into that the rising generation was beyond our understanding so i answered very humbly dearie my name is old davy baby kiss old davy i ill she answered briskly old davy i likes a i'll be a good gal i ill 
a good girl to be sure you will bless my heart i never saw such a girl and i kissed her three or four times over until she began to smell my plug and bunny was nobody in my eyes but what's your own name dearie now you know old davy's name i's barty didn't a know that to be sure i did for a little fib was needful from the way she looked at me and the biggest one ever told would have been a charity under the circumstances peas old daisy eyes i hungy she went on ere i was right again and i ants to dink a yodder what a fool i am cried i of course you do you darling what anatomy you are to talk stop here a moment setting her on the seat by herself like a stupid as i was for she might have tumbled overboard i jumped out of the boat to fetch her water from the spring-head as well as the relics of my food from the corner of the fish-basket and truly vexed was i with myself for devouring of my dinner so but no sooner was i gone than feeling so left alone again after so much desertion what did the little thing do but spring like a perfect grasshopper and slipping under the afterthwart set off in the bravest toddle for the very bow of the boat in fear of losing sight of me unluckily the boat just happened to lift upon a bit of a wave and not having won her sea-legs yet in spite of that long cruise down came poor bardie with a thump which hurt me more than her i think knowing what bunny would have done i expected a fearful roar and back i ran to lift her up but even before i could interfere she was up again and all alive with both her arms stretched out to show and her face set hard to defy herself i ont ki i ont i tella e see if i does now and ma say hot a good gal i is where did you knock yourself little wonder let old davy make it well show old davy the poor sore place ne'er it is guardy la ne'er poor bardie knock herself and she held up her short white smock and showed me the bend of her delicate round knee as simply and kindly as could be i ont ki no i ont she went on with her pretty lips screwed up little brother ki e no but bardie a gate big gal savvy voo bardie too big enough to ki however all this greatness vanished when a drop of blood came oozing from the long black bruise and still more when i tried to express my deep compassion the sense of bad luck was too strong for the courage of even two years growth and little bardie proved herself of just the right age for crying 
i had observed how clear and bright and musical her voice was for such a tiny creature and now the sound of her great woe and scene of her poor helpless plight was enough to move the rocks into a sense of pity for her however while she had her cry out as the tide would never wait i took the liberty of stowing all my fish and fishing tackle on board of that handy little boat which i began to admire and long for more and more every time i jumped from the rock into her foresheets and finding how tight and crank she was and full of spring at every step and with a pair of good ash sculls and most of all discovering the snuggest of snug lockers my conscience always a foremost feature showed me in the strongest light that it would be a deeply ungracious ungrateful and even sinful thing if i failed to thank an ever-wise and overruling providence for sending me this useful gift in so express a manner and taking this pious and humble view of the night's occurrence i soon perceived a special fitness in the time of its ordering for it happened to be the very night when evan thomas was out of the way as i had been told at nottage and the steward of the manor safe to be as drunk as a fiddler at bridgend and it was not more than a few months since that envious scotchman sandy macraw a scurvy limb of the coastguards who lived by poaching on my born rights had set himself up with a boat forsooth on purpose to rogue me and rob me the better no doubt he had stolen it somewhere for he first appeared at night with it and now here was a boat in all honesty mine which would travel two feet for each one of his tub by the time i had finished these grateful reflections and resolved to contribute any unsold crafts to the dissenting minister's salary in recognition of the hand of providence and what he had taught me concerning it no longer ago than last sabbath day when he said that the lord would make up to me for the loss of my poor wife though never dreaming i must confess of anything half so good as a boat and by the time that i had moored this special mercy snugly and hidden the oars so that no vile record could make off with her feloniously that dear little child was grown quiet again being unable to cry any more and now beginning to watch my doings as much as i could wish or more she never seemed tired of watching me having slept out all her sleep for the moment and as i piled up fish on fish and they came sliding slippery she came shyly eyeing them with a desire to see each one pushing her mites of fingers out and then drawing back in a hurry as their bellies shone in the moonlight some of the conjures could wiggle still and they made her scream when they did it but the lobsters were her chief delight being all alive and kicking she came and touched them reverently and ready to run if they took it amiss and then she stroked their whiskers crying pity pity jolly jolly till one great fellow who knew no better would have nipped her wrist asunder if i had not ricked his claw 
now dearie said i as i drew her away you have brought poor old davy a beautiful boat and the least that he can do for you is to get you a good supper for since her tumble the little soul had seemed neither hungry nor thirsty peas old davy she answered i ants to go to mamma and papa and ickle bother and susan the devil you do thought i in a whistle not seeing my way to a fib as yet does e know mamma and papa and ickle bother old davy to be sure i do my dearie better than i know you almost et me go to em et me go to em ah mamma say about my poor leggy peggy this was more than i could tell believing her mother to be no doubt some thirty fathoms under water and her father and little brother in about the same predicament come along my little dear and i'll take you to your mother this was what i said not being ready as yet with a corker i says ye old davy she answered i's kite yeddy and eel e be yeddy peshy boo ready and steady word of command march said i looking up at the moon to try to help me out of it but the only thing that i could find to help me in this trouble was to push about and stir and keep her looking at me she was never tired of looking at things with life or motion in them and this i found the special business of her nature afterwards now being sure of my boat i began to think what to do with bardie and many foolish ideas came but i saw no way to a wise one or at least i thought so then and unhappily looked to prudence more than to gracious providence for which i have often grieved bitterly ever since it turned out who bardie was for the present however though strongly smitten with her manners appearance and state of shipwreck as well as impressed with a general sense of her being meant for good luck to me i could not see my way to take her to my home and support her many and many times over i said to myself in my doubt and uneasiness and perhaps more times than need have been if my conscience had joined me that it was no good to be a fool to give way as a woman might do to the sudden affair of the moment and a hot-hearted mode of regarding it and the harder i worked at the stowing of fish the clearer my duty appeared to me so by the time that all was ready for starting with this boat of mine the sea being all the while as pretty as a pond by candlelight it was settled in my mind what to do with bardie she must go to the old scar house and having taken a special liking through the goodness of my nature and the late distress upon me to this little helpless thing most sincerely i prayed to god that all might be ordered for the best as indeed it always is if we leave it to him nevertheless i ought never to have left it to him as every one now acknowledges but how could i tell by this time she began to be overcome with circumstances as might happen naturally to a child but two years old after long exposure without any food or management scared and strange and tired out she fell down anyhow in the boat and lay like a log and frightened me 
many men would have cared no more but taking the baby for dead have dropped her into the grave of the waters i however have always been of a very different stamp from these and all the wars and discipline and doctrine i have encountered never could imbue me with the cruelty of my betters therefore i was shocked at thinking that the little dear was dead End of chapter five